0: Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. So, thank you, Praise Band, for a wonderful leading of worship for us this morning. Congratulations on your baptism. I don't know if you made it back in after changing, so, congratulations. Good job on that. Uh, Amen. That's good stuff. So I'm getting some feedback. just want to make sure I'm doing this right. All right. So I'm wired for sound. Hey, so you made it. You made it through the week. And you made it here to chapel. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to block out everything that's kind of competed for your time, your attention, your love, your talent, your money, all those things. And just focus on one thing. One thing while we just kind of close out this service and come into communion as we as we prepare into going into the passion week into Easter season. I want you to just to focus on one thing. And that's your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're like, well, you know, come on, chaplain, I'm, I'm here. You know, I you know, I. I you know, I spanked half the kids to get to church on time or, or, or I had a fight with my wife or my husband to get to church on time. and had, you know, had a flat, but I got to church on time. Let's take a moment. As we go into this passion season. To focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ. I say, I say congratulations earlier because you weren't in here. Congratulations. Praise God. Your relationship. Because I guarantee you one thing. The Lord is focused on you. The title of my sermon is A Parade of One. In Luke chapter 19. But I want to start with... This passage in Mark chapter one. Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. That is in the beginning of the, the book of Mark. It's the announcement of the messenger of John, but also into why there is this message, make way, make path make his path straight what Jesus came to do, which is quoting Isaiah, the future, um, quoting the fact that we're going to have a Messiah who comes, so make make his path straight. See, the, the interesting thing about the Bible is we can trace all the way from Genesis, the tree all the way to the crucifixion, the tree in our interim right now Symbolically, the palm, the palm branches, the tree, these themes keep showing up throughout the scripture to, to indicate that Jesus came to do one main thing. To save that which is lost. You yes, well, how do you say that, chaplain? Well, all you we got to do is flip back over. We're in Luke chapter 19 if you have your scripture. And you, you just flip, flip back over to just a, a few other verses. And it says, um, I'm trying to find my, my passage. There it is. He um, says, the rich young leader says, uh, is, why are you telling me it's good? No one is good except God. And no one can, uh, do not commit murder, commit adultery, do not steal, do not uh, bear fault with us, do not honor your, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I kept from other youth. And Jesus said to this, so all these things and distribute to the poor. Uh, you shall have the treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. And then the first part of 19. Verse 10. Zacchaeus. Jesus said to him at the end of, the, of this salvation, "Today salvation has come to your house because he too is the son of Abraham. And the son of man has come to seek. And save that which is what lost. You see the Passion Week. I'm going to invite you to to slow your life down. Block out the demands. You got four days to get five days of work in. I realize that. Going to get an amen, right? Yeah. Some of your leaders like, oh, I got to get five days of work, cram it into four. But I'm asking you to slow down. But here, here, here's here's my here's my trouble, okay. I'm, I'm going into PCS season, okay. Uh, I've I've gotten through Ipse. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you scars for that, right? If you don't know what that means, you're blessed, okay. But if you know what IPse means, you know that uh, that is a lot of prayer, okay. And God bless you, who, the people who work in that world. Um, we're not mad at you um, at all. So. But there's so many things that are, are grabbing and grappling for my attention, my heart, my soul, my mind. And the creator of this world says, I came to this world to save that which is lost. And this is the week. Or the one thing on his mind. So I ask us this week just to take a little bit of time, in your devotion time, in your ride-to-work time, in your prayer time before you go to bed, to focus on this Passion Week and what Christ wants to speak into your life this week. Now, all that's introduction, and it's all free. All right? And we're going to roll. Okay, so uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 28 says this. He says... um, after these things, after some, he's taught some parables, we've been in the parables the past few months, right? Uh, he, taught, he taught some parables and he says after these things, he, he was going ahead to Jerusalem. And he approached Bethphage and Bethany and the mount, of, uh, the mount which is called Olivet and sent two of his disciples. He says, go into the village ahead of you and there you you'll find a colt tied which no one yet has ever sat, untie it and bring it here. The first one is the king is coming. You see, historically, when, when the general or, or the king came back from battle, everyone would gather and, and sing praises to him and lay their cloaks and lay their branches in the, in the road because, as you know, battle is, is, is scary, it's, it's muddy, it's filthy, it's bloody, it's, it's terrible. And this idea of laying all this out into the street, of welcoming them back, softening the, the, the return, of them coming back in as a king. On the stallion, on the mighty horse, saying, "I have power not only in, in the country that we've conquered, but in, in, in the country that I, I, I am now the king of. The city that I am now king of. I am the king. And either by, by force, I am in control, and we have made our we have made our will known on the opposing force, the opposing country, the opposing city, the opposing king. We have forced upon them." what I will, we want to have done. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I don't know. Maybe when you play uh, T-ball, we're going to force our will on that other T-ball team. I don't know. So, anyway, we're going to force force my will, but in celebration, victory, maybe you've saved us from a king invading our city, invading our country. People are praising and glorifying that king. But Jesus... The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus, who will be, be called, proclaimed the King of the Jews, Jesus, the King of Israel, comes in on a donkey, on a colt, as a servant. Now, as I read this passage, maybe you read this passage the same way I do. As I read this passage, I'm, I'm like, did Jesus prearrange that? Or did Jesus kind of get to know the person on that road that he traveled many times over the the hill down into Jerusalem? Or did he just know and the owner of the colt or the donkey just knew that, hey, if if the Lord asked for it, I'm going to give it up. I don't know. Nobody really knows. Some people speculate. Some, some scholars speculated what's going on. But there's two things that, that, that can be both equally true. One, Jesus intentionally fulfilled the, 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 the um, prophecy in Zechariah 9.9, 9, saying that he would, be, he would ride in on a colt. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's one thing to say Well, Shazam, it just kind of lined up. That was great. Okay, Shazam's a new movie. I can say that now all the kids know what that means. Some of y'all didn't know what that meant until a couple weeks ago. But anyway, hey, did did this happen to align? It just worked out. Luck. Or did this king of kings and lord of lords say intentionally, I'm going to ride a colt into the city to fulfill fulfill Zechariah 9.9? Because guess what? I'm also going to intentionally fulfill the prophecy about what? That I will die for the sins of man. Make no mistake. I intentionally go to the cross that I can save men and women, boys and girls, from hell. Make no mistake. So he says this. Or, I think equally is so, is, is that... So he intentionally, whether he set it up or not, knew it would be ready or not, I don't know, but he intentionally rolled the colt in so we would know his intent of what, how and why he was riding in. And as they saw him coming in on the colt, people, people who had been healed from being lame, people who were blind, people who had been forgiven, people who were who, who deaf, people who've have, who have been fed, people who've seen all the miracles of Jesus, guess where they start as, as the disciples kind or of, kind of fronting it up and saying, praise him, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They also, they also are praising him. Have you ever asked the question as we look into the Passion Week? You think some of the people who were praising were also some of the ones that may have been crying out, crucify? What about us when Jesus doesn't do what we want him to do? How quick are we to change our tune? You see, because some of the people in the crowd who were, were phrasing saying Hosanna, they, they ignored the, the, the fact that he was on a colt. They knew that he had power. He had strength and he was coming in and he could conquer the city. And they wanted him to rise up and conquer the city and overthrow this Roman rule, this depression, this oppression all these things crushing down on them, and he would be the king of kings. And Jesus said, I came to do what? Not to overthrow the government, to do what? To save that which is lost. Come back to that in a second. So as I read this passage, one thing. What is it that the Lord may ask of you as you focus on your relationship with Christ this week, in this fashion week? The Lord may say, through the Holy Spirit, I want to use this in your life. Just as the owner of the cult said, hey, you know, he said, I need, the, which, if they ask, why do you need the cult? The Lord is in need of it. What is the ask the Lord could ask of you? I I needed that in your life. I want to use it. Maybe it's something good. Maybe it's your talent. Maybe it's me in in the praise band. There you go. Maybe it's that jealousy. Uh, Give me that. Maybe that's pride. Give, Give me that. I'll take that from you. And we want to hang on it. What is it that if you focus on your relationship with Christ this week, in the Passion Week, as you're thinking about him walking into the triumphal entry and, and being praised, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118, we read before, repeated when people came into, in, in victory. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Said to Jesus as he comes in, blessed is he who in the name of the Lord. And as you say, as you come into the Passion Week, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus turns to you and says, I want that in your life. I, I can't predict it. But as the king comes in, be willing to give him whatever he asks of you. Yeah. We keep reading. They, they're untying the colt. The owner said, then why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord is in need of it. And they brought us to Jesus and And put the coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And he was going and they spread their coats in the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God. Joyfully with a loud voice and all the miracles which they had seen and blessed and shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, the prince of heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. See, sometimes we just need to praise Him. Yep. Uh, I thank you for the, the set. Dan, Dan warned me He said, Hey, our set's going to be a little bit more exciting than normal. i like, praise God. But sometimes we need to praise Him. We need to be thankful for what He's done in our life. We need to tell the story of what He's done in our life. Now, I'm not saying force something down somebody's throat or be obnoxious or be rude. But it it lends itself of if the king of kings and lord of lords, the creator of all of heaven and earth, his main story is you, what convicts my soul, is so why is my main main story not him? Whereas if Jesus talks more about me than I talk about him, that there might be a problem with me. So he says, goes in verse nine, uh, verse forty. He said, but Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Uh, if the, uh, Jesus said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out, the rocks will cry out. But because here, here's what Jesus notes: make way, the path of the Lord. This parade of one was on the path. And that path started in the garden. That path uh, followed through every prophet. That path followed through, through Bethlehem. That path followed through Jerusalem. That path followed down the triumphal entry. That path goes to the cross. That path goes to the resurrection. That path comes into your life and in my life. That path is to the return of Christ in the second coming. It's not just one little short path. That way... Is a way through time and through history from the beginning of time to the end of the time, that path, and you're on it. And all of creation sees it. The king is coming. 41 says, And he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city. And he wept over it. There's only one other recording time that Jesus wept. They say he was grieved. They speak of it by saying Jesus wept. There's only one other recording time. And he wept over the city. And we can speculate about why he wept over the city. Did he weep over the fate of Jerusalem? This prophet who's weeping because he's about to prophesy about what some, something that's going to happen in 70 AD, the, the destruction of the city, the overcoming uh, of Jerusalem, the tear down of the temple. All things going to happen, which is a penalty, which is a cost for rejecting the king. He's prophesying this is going to happen. And the prophet weeps over that fact. That the temple. Oh, by the way. As they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament in, guess what they're doing? They're layering the coats on the ground for the Ark to come back into the temple. There's so much in this passage, there's so much in this story that we miss. And it's the same for Jesus. So the prophet is weeping. They missed... The Prince of Peace and the received as a city, judgment in war. Judgment comes when you re- reject the, the Son of God. And we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to we talk about the fact that if we were if we reject who God is through Jesus Christ, who Christ is as the Son of God, who Christ is as a Savior, if we reject him, it ain't all just gonna work out. So either Jesus is a false prophet, either Jesus is a lunatic, liar, or Lord, or Jesus is crazy, or this is a, a stark warning to us, and, and, and let, let's back up, Luke is kind of the, Dr. Luke is kind of the historian, this Luke and Acts, or this this two-volume set that go together, and and, and he's not telling it as, as like a, like live, live here in Jerusalem, here we go, and, and just not giving a play-by-play. Play. He's going back and has, has gathered sources, and he's inputting some things in the story so that we can understand the depth, the breadth, and the height of what the gospel means for the world. You see, I can get away with a lot of things. You can, I can, we all can. But let's be clear, there's one thing that will go unnoticed. Rejection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Rejection of who the Messiah says he is and wants to do in our lives. That will not go unnoticed. So the prophet... Is weeping. Anybody ever thought, why is that? If God can see time in, in one snapshot, a day is a thousand years, a, day, a thousand years is a day, why would Jesus weep in this moment? Anybody? I don't know. I'm just asking. think before and after with God, you know. Yeah, amen. I I, I, I think part of it is, honestly, is is a fact that Jesus wants that intimate relationship with you. And I think it breaks his heart. I think it causes him to grieve because the price that is paid for sin and the the depths and the lengths and the heights he will go to have that relationship with you, and we'll say, I got it. No, God, I got it. That all the war and destruction that was coming to Jerusalem, if they would accept him as king, but they couldn't, well, it could have been avoided. So here's my second question to us. This is not a works thing, so don't interpret it this way, but if you were to take time this week and block out all the noise and focus on your relationship with Christ during this Passion Week, what is it that you may avoid in the next year that could be tragic in your life? Now, I'm trying to get all philosophical or that, okay? calvinist harmony i'm not let's go stop all right all i'm saying is if you focus just if you focus on the relationship with your husband or wife you focus on your children how much better is that relationship going to be in the next year if you focus on christ this week how much better is that relationship with him going to be this year oh by the way if you focus on your relationship with your husband or wife you focus on your relationship with your kids how much more enjoyable is that life going to be? How much more are you going to endure difficult times together? How much more are you going to know each other intimately? If you'll focus on your relationship with Christ this week, and he looks at you and says, Hey, I, I, I want to take that from you. Or, Hey, I want to know you in an intimate way. I want you. I want to be your Savior. You've never really actually really come into a relationship with me. How much better will you know him and he? Know you. You see, I think the prophet is weeping because he looks at a world that's dying and says, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. My peace I give to you. So the prophet looks into your life. It looks into my life. I, I know the Lord probably weeps over some things and says, Steve, if, if you'll just give that to me, I'll take it and I'll renew it. If you'll just give that anger, if you'll just give that jealousy, if you'll just give that fear, if you'll just give that to me, I'll take it because I died on the cross for that anger, or that fear, or that jealousy, and I'll renew it. We so have a prophet, we have a priest, or we have a, we, have, we, have a, we have a king, we have a prophet, and we have a priest. When Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, It's written, My house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. There are a lot of Christians who justify anger from this verse, from this story. There there are a lot of toxic pastors. I can say that because probably was one at one time. I think the army is beating it out of me. There are a lot of abusive people who justify anger from this passage. In my opinion. We're not in a lot of speculation on why Jesus cleansed the temple. So since other people speculate, I shall too. All right. Why did Jesus cleanse the temple? One. What's the phrase? Prepare the way of the Lord. That he may come in. He's prepared the temple for the perfect sacrifice to show up in Jerusalem. To yield all the sacrifices that aren't ever good enough, that continue have to be had to be redone, refocused, redone again, to the one ultimate sacrifice in Christ, to be complete, whole, for everyone once and done. Two. I, I, I think he's in in the Gospels, it talks about when, when Christ said it is finished, what happens? You remember what happens when it says Christ is, it is finished? There was an earthquake, and the veil was ripped from top to bottom. I think he's making way. In that situation too. For for God to have access to man. And man to have access to God. There is no more veil between us and God. There is no more. You know only the priest can go in. There is no more of that it is. You can go before holy God the father. And say Lord I need your help in my life because I need you, and I have access to you because of what you did on the cross. So we're Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why? Because Christ came to seek to save the lost. Guess who that includes? That's me. And it's not until I take enough time to step away from the from, from folks that say, Oh, you're just doing so good. Such a good man. Such a good husband. You're such a good father. We like you. Or other people saying, Man, you're you're terrible, you're the worst, you know. Can't wait to you PCS. Whatever it is. Whatever distracts us from the fact of, of one thing, and this is this is it. I was lost, but now I'm found. Yeah. I was blind, but now I can see. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the creator, creator, of all creation, knows me better than anyone on in existence. Died for me, yes. and He died for you. So I ask you. As you come to this Passion Week, Seder, Monday-Thursday services, Good Friday services, Easter service, all these things. Make it about you. And him. Because he made it about him and you. So the priest cleansed the temple because he wanted to make way for the Lord. How about you this week? And I'll be done. We're going to do the communion in a second. How about you this week? How will you make way? Somebody says, hey, we went to chapel and he heard Chad Bryant speak. What did he say? I don't know. It's about making a way. Make way. Give him access to everything that you struggle with, that you hope for, that you dream for, that you fear of. Give him access to all of it. And watch him work.